Hello and welcome back to The Stacks, a podcast about everything cinema, the good, the bad, and the in-between. Stephen and Jack are here today to talk through some of the titans of... To talk about something completely different. Very good. The titans of British comedy filmmaking of the 20th century. So please put on a ridiculous accent, uh, learn to defend (laughs) yourself from fruit... And uh, Coconut Horse Step, your way into this, our very silly Monty Python retrospective. So, Stephen, the first question, obviously, is uh, how how much Monty Python were you sort of surrounded by as, as a child growing up in, in the UK? It's going to be so interesting to see how other listeners vibe yeah. with this and this conversation. Mm-hmm. Because I feel, obviously, as people know, Jack and I are quite similar people. Um, yeah. And I think a key similarity of people of around our age that grew up is this inherited fascination with Monty Python as like mm. a comedic staple of your life. Um, yep. There was a period of my life that was just completely Monty Python. Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about this in the podcast when it started. And I know now, and I worked it out. So oh, wow. a, 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 a friend of mine... Um, you know when you're at school in like years seven, eight, and nine, mm-hmm. and like every three months you have a new best friend. Um, <laughs> okay, Mister Popular. Of your friend sure. group, you're like this sure. one's my you're, best you're friend. You're rotating now. through. No, this yeah. is my best friend. There's and ironically, his, his, his he went by Monty. Um, ah. Ironically, um, but I went to his house. He had a lovely dog. We walked his dog, and, and we watched some movies. We watched the Magic Roundabout movie. Yeah, so that okay. will indicate what kind of year this was. I was going to say, that's like and 2005, I want to say. Yeah, so yeah, let, let me go on. I think, Mag- I think Magic Roundabout is round. Uh, it, is, it is, in fact. Oh, is that the Dougal movie? Sorry, that's Dougal. <laughs> Unless yeah, no, Dougal was the movie. before Magic um, yeah, so, no, oh, no, Magic Roundabout. It, it was 2005. Yeah, it was a big, big year for... And oh, no, Dougal was, was 2006. Sorry. Dare I say, <laughs> not a legit copy of this film. Okay, um, yeah. The old bootleg. Some memories stick with you briefly. And this is how much I remember. I was listening to Lord of the Rings on tape at the time. Jeez. That sticks in my head. Of I'd borrowed my our family friends, the Pestels. Hello, if you're listening. Had lent us <laughs> their big box set tape box set of yeah. the, and I'd not read them and it was an abridged version of The oh, Lord of the Rings but it was boy. still like 30 tapes or something <laughs> and, I was, and I just really vividly remember listening to those on the way on my little like Walkman and then being at this guy's house who his parents had fancy things we watched The Magic Roundabout and then <laughs> he put on yep. Monty Python and the Holy Grail and oh. I'd never seen it before, and I was not really old enough to properly be watching it because I was. Oh not... yeah, I feel like that's part of the appeal of these mm. things, though, especially well, I was for not... me anyway. I was not fifty. I wasn't. I mean, how old was I? So two thousand. Uh, so I'd have been thirteen. Okay, so, so that that's far pretty, pretty, that's pretty um, much the same sort of ballpark area. I feel. Um, so and I remember watching it and absolutely adoring it and mm-hmm. finding it like it was just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life and. Also feeling, I don't know if I've alluded to this, but my parents were so strict about what we watched at home. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I, I was only able to watch things of the age rating that I, of the okay. age that I was. Yeah. And my parents, my dad especially, just abhors violence and media in general. I remember once I was playing Street Fighter 4, um, <laughs> and because of course I was, and my dad walked in as I was playing Blanca, and one of Blanca's, um, when he grabs them and throws them and he bites them and my ah. dad walks in and went oh that's disgusting it's the most violent thing I was like that's the most dad, violent I, thing I play 
more vulnerable all the time. But Jesus Christ, so that that was too much that's, for my that's dad. The level. This, this is yeah. disgusting. And like that Street Fighter. No so necking. I was, no necking in my media, yeah. please. This was around the time I remember a friend of mine again the pastels. Um, mm. Hello, if you're listening. Hello, if you're listening. Had a, had a, had a PS2. I did not. And they had the film Gladiator. Mm. And DVDs were new to me. And they had a mode where you could, because it's the PS2, you could slow it down. And we spent like, the whole yep. day just watching violence at very slow violence speeds. in slow motion, like frame so by I was, frame. I was, used, I was used to going home and like trying to pretend I hadn't done things. Because like, my parents <laughs> wouldn't like these. You're and, conditioning yourself to yeah, generally, violence. And it, came, and, it, and it came out of me that I'd watched this Monty Python film. And then it... I didn't realize it, but I realized that my dad was like, oh, I love that. Oh, and my dad was a massive wow. Monty Python fan and okay. was really waiting for me to discover Monty Python. But he was oh, like, wow. oh, I didn't think you were old enough for those yet. But you know oh. what? And then he bought me the box set. He bought there me that, um, that purple, you probably had yes. it. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's purple like Python set. skin, mm-hmm. the four movies. And we watched them all together. Um, Watching Holy Grail together was 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 great. Um, mm-hmm. Watching Life of Brian together that was his favourite, and therefore okay. probably, that's why it's my favourite. Um, okay, yeah. Watching Meaning of Life together was a bit awkward because that movie's a little bit <laughs> raunchy. It's uh, um, interesting, yeah. But yeah, so we we watched them all together, and it was such a great like. You have these moments, and listeners will get this of when you realise your parents are human beings. Yeah, and yeah. That was a big my dad's a human being moment of like oh mm-hmm. my dad loves this stuff. My mum does not care for this at all. It was great, just <laughs> very like very similar. Yeah, me and Very dad bonding stuff. Of, yeah. I think this is hilarious. I didn't realise this was your sense of humour. And mm. you also think this is hilarious. Mm. Oh, this is really cool. And such a jumping off point. Yeah, so we, we watched them. And my most watched DVDs just ever. And in and I introduced friends to them at school. And mm. genuinely, the, the, the playground at school, we would just, like everyone of our age, would just quote entire stretches of Monty Python to each oh, other God, yeah. for the entirety of lunchtime. Um, mm-hmm. And we would sing the songs from Meaning of Life just <laughs> off my heart. That universe song from it's Meaning very of Life, good. which I love so much. The universe goes on expanding. Yeah, we would just, think... just, just sing that at each other. Um, we'll get into oh, it. But yeah. Eric Idle's songs are some of the. Well, everyone brings something different to, to, the, to the group, and Idle's songs. Transphobia, are but... for example. Um, oh, God. Two of them bring that. Sorry, <laughs> two of them. Bring bring that. Two of them. Um, they do not bring that to the group anymore. That group is long yeah, disbanded. Well, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I came to Python. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know when or how to be honest, because I think it was really early. So unlike <laughs> unlike your exposure to it, I think my dad just threw on Holy Grail one day when I was probably ooh, maybe like nine, nine, ten, uh, somewhere around there. I, I I can't pinpoint a precise memory of seeing it for the first time. All I know is that I watched Holy Grail so much growing up like it is just embedded in my memory so watching the the four major major python films this week i was like i barely even need to watch holy grail i could just close my eyes and just it'll just play so the I, I listened. I forgot about Holy Grail was the was the opening. Generally, that 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 um, subtitles joke at the beginning. Subtitles like, I've forgotten about this, and yeah. that subtitles joke is is so funny and so clever uh-huh. and so brilliant. Um, so I, I watched with like different commentary tracks to try and squeeze every mm. bit of Python trivia. But yeah. it's just like stories I've read and things I've seen before. I just like. My, I get like your dad. My dad was a big Python fan. I think his side yeah. of the family, you know. 
early like late 60s early 70s into the 80s were just big into the python wave of comedy obviously from flying circus and like the comedy albums through to the motion pictures and then that just generationally handed down to me like my brother and I think he kind of missed my brother. I think my brother likes these movies yeah, enough. My brother's the same. My brother's a couple years had... older than me. And he... I don't... I mean, uh, we, weird stuff. We were not a, uh, often around in the same places. Um, and my dad worked in France a lot as well. So it was like... It was weekends at the time. I remember vividly watching them a lot with my dad. I don't remember my brother being around and really watching. Mean, he mm. must have watched all of them at some point. But he was never in... like. I feel like I was big into comedy as like yeah. a, a as yeah, an art yeah. form. Mm-hmm. My brother just like, and I also feel that my brother was big into music, but he was not into the visual art forms that I was into. Everyone in has like, like he, he will watch a movie, he will mm. watch TV, he will watch some comedy, but he's not into them outside of the specific examples. Sure. That makes sense. He's sure, not like yeah, well, into film. Exactly, he will just watch a film. Mm. And especially as a teen as well, I feel like you hone in yeah. on certain passions and areas and hobbies whether it's video games or music or television and comedy was definitely yeah. one I, I gravitated towards as well definitely. through television film like stand-up all podcasts yeah. anything everything and, and we yeah, both grew up in the golden age of the of, of the quiz show comedy the british quiz yes, show comedy that absolute was, panel that was, show format and yeah, 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 yeah so much of what british comedy was in like the 2000s and 2010s and even like well not even just British comedy but like worldwide is, is stemmed from how uh, the Pythons sort of broadcast this abstract and absurdist take on like physical comedy and, and just wordplay and nonsense really nonsense for the sake of nonsense I, I felt that when watching Holy Grail again of how much of the, com- how much of the comedy is just pure pedantry and mm-hmm. genuinely watching that and being like, oh, this is why I am the way that I am. <laughs> <laughs> this explains a lot. It's just like, being annoying. Me. Being yeah, annoying yeah, yeah. is funny. <laughs> yeah, of being like, oh, that's what I do. And that's how really far can you push things? I think things. that's very funny. How far can you push things, this, that, and the other? So, a quick bit of like background. The Pythons themselves comprise of six members. Uh, Graham yep. Chapman... John Cleese, oh, Terry Gilliam, all of oh, which okay. are dead. All three of those are dead. <laughs> uh, and then Eric Idle, Terry Jones, R.I.P., and Michael Palin. So Cleese and Gilliam I forget still Terry Jones is dead. Yeah, Jesus Christ. a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, I read my most recent um, Holy Grail review, and it was just like, oh, yeah, three years ago, Terry Jones died. Um, mm. But Idle and Palin still still kicking and having beef yeah, with Palin Cleese. Palin doing cool stuff. Palin doing cool stuff. I, I don't really know what Idol's up to. I think he's like songwriting and a bit of, he's, bit of stuff. He's yeah. got another. I mean, the Spam Art movie Spam is still was him. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I think I, that's all up in the air with Cleese, and they're all arguing because over Twitter, Cleese and it's is, very yeah. funny um, to see these old men have meltdowns. But He was in Shrek the Third, obviously. Oh, um, God. Yeah, well, Cleese is in all of those. Oh, no, he's in the sequels, isn't he? He's the, the Frog King man. Um, but anyway. The Transformers uh, so, movie, obviously. <laughs> Two uh, rather prestigious universities, Cambridge and Oxford. Um, clans yep. from both. Just you got your Cleeses and your Chapmans and your Idols from one, and you've got your Joneses and you've got Palins and everyone. Uh, they're involved in the dr- dramatic societies like Cambridge University Footlights, which is a big one, especially for like British comedians. Um, yep. A lot of like. Uh, 
panel show regulars and just like good working comedians and good writing working comedians come from these dr- dramatic societies. I feel like in in America there's that idea of your Harvard graduates end up writing on The Simpsons. That and it's and like here is the um, idea of your your Oxford Cambridge yeah, graduates yeah. end up on the sketch comedy scene. If you if you got to write for the Lampoon, you would end up with a, a writing a staff gig on some sitcom at some point. And yeah. this is very much like oh if you go to the footlights or whatever you will eventually have some sort of television show on the bbc yeah. my university leads had the leads tea lights there you go the oh there you go uh so after they all left university with a varying s- smart people degrees um, a couple of them collaborated on various television projects including the frost report which was uh, an early sketch show um, Cleese and Chapman would uh, write and perform together as well as Idol. Um, and then the other guys, they were working on other sort of BBC little startup projects. And eventually they met up through uh, a collaboration and slowly morphed into um, pitching an idea to the BBC for their own television show. Um, this sketch format that was popularized through people like The Goon Show, which was on the radio, a lot of influence from them. And in 1969, we got Monty Python's Flying Circus. Stephen, how much of Flying Circus have you seen slash did you used to watch? Because I never really got into, I never saw the show that much growing up. I was mainly the movies. 100%. Yes, that's a very interesting question. So, um, here are my two eras of Flying Circus. One, it was not really available to... I swear this is exactly. me every time being like, look, I'm old. Media, <laughs> media used to be so different. Yes. Of that yeah, sense yeah. of, you just couldn't get... It. I mean, I remember when Kazar happened and suddenly I had access to more music than I ever had yeah, before. Yeah, and then yeah. Kazar got shot down very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but suddenly I had more CDs in the car. And that's actually... I had, an, I had a Monty Python CD. Oh, so um, like one of the comedy albums. Was, no. Or it was, soundtrack. I, I made it myself from like stuff oh, that I downloaded off... Of just like you, random, which, it was like mostly like weird Eric and... Idle songs. Um, uh, okay, it had that that FCC song that Eric Idle did, which I still have. You have you heard that? I do know that, but I can't the fuck you very from. much, the FCC. Yes. Fuck you very much for finding me. Three thousand pounds of fuck. No one really <laughs> out of luck. It's an, yeah, uh, embarrassing moment. So I burned a CD of Monty Python songs, <laughs> which included bonus Eric Idle songs. And we used to go on like long kayaking trips because I bougie like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, with, 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 with the kayak club that I went to a lot, and we were down in the Durance in France. I bought a bunch of burn CDs of me as one did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were the OG playlists. There. You know, this yeah, is a my mum was there and the she brought the car. And we also did the Dire Straits greatest hits. My mum's not into music, but there mm-hmm. are like two bands that she loves. One is Dire Straits, the other is Keen. <laughs> so Amazing. if it's Keen or Dire Straits, she'll listen to it. And she likes the Kooks. So the, there's okay, the three wow. things she'll listen to. Um, <laughs> yeah, her, her ringtone is still the Kooks. Amazing. Um, yeah. Naive, I assume. Um, no. Boom. No. Oh, uh, she moves no. in her own way. Uh, Very good. There you go. That, that, it was okay. The second good. option, the second yeah. biggest song. You could have said that seaside song. It could want to go to um, the seaside. Yeah, good band. Um, Jack and Stephen sing the Kooks. <laughs> the Kooks. They're, they're probably <laughs> the still kooks. going. Remember the Kooks. I do remember the Kooks. Some crazy Kooks hung up on romance. That's a David Bowie lyric for you. It is. Hunky Dory. Um, there you go. And a song about, of course, Zowie Bowie, who directed... Zowie Bowie. Warcraft. 
<laughs> anyway, back go. to Flying Circus. Back. Yeah, I never, um, so I yeah, never. So I had that burnt CD, um, yeah. and my mum was going through CDs I had with me, and she put it on without me realizing. I was like, "No, there's has swear words on it." <laughs> Not and in front of my friends. And playing that Eric Idle song, and I was like, "I don't know what this is." And then she's like, oh, "This is really funny." I'm like, "Oh, this Good. is funny." Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny. I'm not saying this is this is actually this is my CD. This it is. Out. I'm a taste yeah, the, maker now. Flying Zergs itself. I watched some of it when I was at high school. I don't know mm. how because I catch it was on TV. Um, and before I went on a school ski trip, I watched an episode that had this recurring joke in it where they just kept saying lemon curry, and I found that absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And I, I just repeated it to th- for the next week to friends and it just became a catchphrase on that ski trip they must Amazing. have thought that I was a comedy genius yeah just <laughs> this guy's that, got comedic writing chops lemon <laughs> curry was hilarious and for some reason I, I agreed that it was hilarious so if anyone's seen that sketch it's the funniest thing um, <laughs> and I remember watching the entirety of the because I'd only seen the sketches on that first film yeah, yeah and I remember watching the entirety of the dead parrot sketch for the first mm. time and I love the second half of that sketch so much. It's just my most good. quoted Monty Python line of all time now, because I live somewhat near Bolton. <laughs> anytime anyone mentions Bolton, I say I just say to them, Bolton's a palindrome. And they go, <laughs> What? <And> I go, <laughs> just deliciously just, stupid. Just, the, just and just that one line of that sketch being like, Bolton's not a palindrome. Bolton backwards is not lob. That's just not just Fun aesthetically is just such yeah. a brilliant sounding collection of yes, words. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and when when Netflix got the rights to mm, all Flying of Circus Flying Circus, and... I was determined that I would just watch it all and yeah. started and then just a lot of it's not very good. That's the thing. This is the sketch format. I feel like like sitting down and I, I, there's loads of sketch shows that I've seen like mm. over and over again. Like Mitchell and Webb was a big one. I think they yeah. have quite a lot in the like the hits. He loved Horde and Call. The hits to 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 Mrs. Ratio. There was a bit of Fry and Laurie. Steve uh, Stephen Fry and Hugh I'm Laurie's. I'm in the Mitchell and Webb show. You're in. No, you're in the audience of a sketch. You've told me this before. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, there. that's if fine. You, but you, can hear, you can hear you can hear Stephen laughing really really hard. You can hear me. Um, but yeah, I, I mainly found like the Flying Circus stuff just through YouTube. So this is like 2008, yeah. 2009, the sort of first few years of when YouTube. When YouTube was 10-minute clips. Yeah, exactly. If if that, and just finding things like the Lumberjack song or uh, the Dead mm. Parrots sketch or just any oh, of like weird Gilliam animation stuff on YouTube yes. as well. So I'd never really seen it in the full format until a friend lent me like the complete DVD box set like 10 yeah, years ago I or something. I watched that Hollywood Bowl DVD at a friend's That's, house at some yes, point because yeah, yeah, he had another that one. box set. I feel like there was just so much of Python. Well, there was more Python than I realized. So I thought there were just yeah. four movies as a kid. This yes. is what Dad has. This is all I know there is. This is my purple box set. I've this is before. exactly yeah, this is how is much this is how much I've been exposed to, and then going online and being like, oh, they had comedy albums. Oh, there was a TV show. Oh, they did live stuff, and just learning through that. And like over the years, I've just picked up bits and pieces. But the the core the core draw for me was always those four films. Um, yeah, which I mean, is, three, I, really. Three, really. Two, really. Because I. Yeah, Monty I mean, Python I mean, and Life two, of Brian back two, to back all day, every day. Two I masterpieces. Could, yes, absolutely. Um, so and let's get into it. Let's get into the first ones. one just because it is it's sketchy in all the way, in all the right ways because it is. And now for something completely different. 
which is basically a retreading yeah. of a lot of the comedic material from Flying Circus. This is two years after the first season. I can't remember the name of the producer that picked them up and just basically said, for international markets and just to get you onto the, the big silver screen, let's, let's do a film. So it was directed yeah. by Ian McNaughton, who worked a lot on Flying Circus, but was notably, this is the only film he'll direct. The other films are directed by the Terrys or a Gilliam or a Jones yes. or a, a sharing of the, the Terrys or a Gilliam or a Jones. <laughs> All five. <laughs> Uh, and it's just it's just sketch to sketch, segment to yeah. segment. Um, you've got Terry Gilliam's sort of animation it's weirdly work. It's not as cohesive as, from memory, because I did not rewatch it for the podcast, apologies. Mm. Um, not as one of the episodes memory, of the TV it's show. It's not as cohesive as an episode of the TV show. Mm-hmm. The transitions and, like, you know, the, the setup for one joke will land and the punchline will immediately lean into the next part or it'll be just completely like left turn absurdist yeah. transition into the next thing Gilliam's animations and like little illustrative mm. bits act as sort of like little segues between them but as with any sort of sketch thing I find it so hard to talk about this first film as a film because it is just so sketchy in that it is just a, a, a 90 minute episode of the TV show yeah. with remastered or redone sketches I that, think the redoing of sketches is weird isn't it they, they, it they is because they feel familiar but yet it's filmed in this like you're going from this te- very televisual look a lot of long takes mm. a lot of static camera and when you move that into this new cinematic realm in 1971, you're getting a lot more movement, a lot more edits, yeah. a lot more like camera positions and things like that. And it just takes me out of it a little bit. It just feels let, there's something there's something missing. Some things because you rewatch this, and these are these are the sketches what, that I remember. Yeah, what sticks with you? I'm trying to work out if they're in the film or not. And I think all of these are in the film. So it starts with the um, phrase book, right? The hovercraft reveals. Yes, that, that's, that's that's in yeah, there. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Lumberjack is in there. Lumberjack is in there. I feel Absolute like that segues from... I, I, I can't remember all the... I think that's... Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's the end of the dead parrot sketch goes into yeah. the Lumberjack. Oh, yeah, because... He didn't want to be... My favorite yeah. part of the dead parrot sketch. Yeah. Dead parrot sketch, obviously, in there. Um, yeah. Cheese Shop is in there. Cheese Shop is not. Is it not? Jeez cheese Shop is not. I know that, then. Um, um, I mean, Cheese Shop is what is... What, cheese Shop is one of the best. It's with, not in that with, film. With John Cleese... Um, John Cheese R.I.P. Um, <laughs> of him talking because he back when he was interesting I think he made that point of being like the first two seasons of Python and Simple Great and he said they'd done nothing new or interesting apart from the cheese shop sketch okay. in the, the back part he was like that's the one thing he thought was good interesting mm. and different and the rest was just the, the same again um, so yeah cheese shop is so good um, funniest joke in the world is in there isn't it because that yes yeah yeah. where he start weaponizing that's, that's a good bit <laughs> Abs- absolutely incredible oh. uh, um, upper class twit of the year award oh, I forgot about that Dirty and there's fork. the argument clinic uh, yes the argument no argument no no, no. that argument clinic is not it's the um, oh, there's the, the lion tamer no, one where it he, is. He, he, is he comes in and he wants to be a, a lion tamer but he's he's been tested and he's going to be an accountant 
Oh, uh, that I think was that's good. towards the end. I think there's also the marriage counseling one where oh, uh, Eric Idle just See, gets with Michael Palin's I, wife. Oh, one of my favorite nudge, nudge, wink, wings in there. One of my favorite ones is the the mountaineering expedition. Um, so he walks in um, for a, for a job, and John Cleese is running this mountaineering expedition, but he's got a problem with his eyes, so he sees double. <laughs> <laughs> that leads to some it's a very wild setup that leads to some very hey put it on youtube it's probably about six minutes long that's yeah. the thing these the these films can be broken down into very digestible seven minute like clips and chunks i feel especially these this, early ones obviously with the, the sketch format dumb now but i feel the python revolution is the kind of comedy i like is it's not here's a scene that builds up to a joke it's what if every part of it was funny mm-hmm. and the punchline doesn't matter that much? The punchline, ma- mostly, a, punchline. a lot of the time, especially in like the, the Flying Circus stuff, is just turning to the camera and being like, this has all been stupid, hasn't it? And then just like moving yeah. on. And now something could be different. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, bam, yeah. With like scene. John Cleese lying on a desk in the woods wearing a, a bra. Yes, uh, I've, I've written a couple silly notes. Silly walks isn't no in it, silly is walks it? in this. No, and fish fish slap isn't in it. No either. fish slap. Uh, room full of milkmen. Um, <sighs> uh, self self defense nope. class against fruit. Milkman is good. Self defense <sighs> class is brilliant. It's just I, I got They're a lot of good bits. Good. They're all these, really these good. All... Um, a lot of <laughs> it's the same with like anthologies or sketch shows. You're going to like some more than others. And I came out of it going like, "Yep, I had some fun with that." Like, it's a it's a three star movie. It is just it's, it's the medium getting the way though, because that as a TV episode, you're like, "Brilliant, love it." And as a mm-hmm. film, like, "But this isn't a film." It's though, just a bit too long. It the medium it's comes fun. with more expectations of this should cohere as an. It's like an album as opposed to a compilation album. Yeah, of, like yeah. This this is a greatest hits, but it's not OK Computer or something. This is not a, a really cohesive <laughs> work of songs. But uh, already in like the format of the film, they're already playing with audience expectations and also like the cinema going experience. There's a couple of like gags that don't really work on like home video or something because it was built for a you know 1971 theater and just little little That's things. Great in the thing introduction. in Life of Brian though as well of the uh, look at the always look on the bright side of life at the end when mm. talking about how this record is available in the foyer. Uh, yes, yeah, they just still there beautifully the beautifully date them. Um, but then. Uh, after that, Ian McNaughton doesn't work with uh, Flying Circus or the Pythons again into that after, and now for something completely different, and then Gilliam and Jones pushed to get behind the camera and have more creative creative control yeah. there and that's how Holy Grail came about, with a lot of financing from a lot of English bands at the time that were fans yes. of the TV yeah, show, so you had you had some Beatles, you had some Floyd, and I think yeah. you had some Zeppelin, <laughs> Zeppelin funding in this. Yeah, but again, were you a psychedelic '60s '70s band? Then you yes, funded Monty with, with you either tried to fund Yodorowsky movies or Monty Python. Yeah, I was about movies. to say. That, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, like uh... the the two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, so, yeah, there's this similarity there. All in all, I think it was about two hundred and twenty thousand pound budget, and I like how this movie looks because it feels it so great. scrappy. It feels so scrappy and like they fought tooth and nail to get this movie made. There's no stunt doubles. It's all the Pythons doing everything. Um, there are <laughs> like some of the commentary track stories are hilarious. Like there's a deleted scene of, with like these characters called the Mud Eaters, and it is just Michael Palin wa- like walking around on the floor eating mud. And they had to do like 20 takes of that scene. Didn't even make it into the final film. And just little <laughs> things like that. <laughs> 
But yeah, Holy Grail for me is is the Monty Python movie. It's 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 not for me though. I absolutely mm-hmm. adore it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an absolutely a stunning film. But I'm okay. Forgive me for this first statement. But ignoring their current personas, mm. who were always your favourite Pythons? Because oh, John- I always had. Okay. I always had two front runners. Who were you, who were your favourites? Cleese was always my favourite Python. Um, Cleese as the gangly tall man, yeah, who can pull very funny sense. faces, and also the way he like barks at like just barks commands or just he just he can say really sharp statements that can make me laugh. Yeah. But I also really liked Graham Chapman as well as yeah. the straight man who's not a straight man. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, so yeah. good as this like Shakespearean oh, yeah. in, in figurehead else, in this He would one. be the the loopy comedic weirdo. Yeah. But in Monty yeah. Python where like that he's the straight man. So far, he is a straight man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So who are your who are your guys? I, I was always an Idle and Gilliam man. I was always mm. just like Eric Idle. I think the music fascination yeah. in me I just, yeah, yeah. I just i just thought he was absolutely genius and i loved the guinea animation stuff mm. and and then i agree with you on chapman but th- those were the three that i always gravitated to that's the thing there's a uh, python the, the each of the guys brings something different to the table mm. and it, it's hard to distinguish what each of them bring until you've seen the films over and over again, or you, you've you know you've you've seen a lot of the TV show, and you and can they, kind of they, feel the they writing. Just duos, didn't they? they were yeah, little, so they had they writing writing, writing duos, and then they would bring sketches together so and format and them Cleese, in that way. Yeah, that was a major one, and uh, Palin and Idol, I think, or Jones. Yeah. Um, and the divide there is interesting, and it there's also the divide of uh, the Terry's getting behind the camera and trying to make an actual, you know, filmic film trying to find the right angles, trying to work with the lighting, whereas Cleese and Chapman um, were primarily focused on, does the gag work in the minute? It doesn't really matter if this is a cinematic work of art um, you know, Gilliam has gone on record saying that they, they studied works like Excalibur and the Throne of Blood and the Seventh Seal to try and get the atmosphere. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you can, you can. I mean, this sounds pretentious as hell, but you can see the Bergman in that. There is oh, absolutely. I mean, even well, from the the opening credits, they they were talking about how they were watching oh, yes. loads of, of Swedish films with English subtitles. So now we're going to put an English film with Swedish subtitles, <laughs> which is a very good gag. Very and then good gag. yeah, right from the front, you have uh, the people being responsible for the subtitles being sacked and then people God, responsible so for sub uh, for, for sacking the subtitles getting sacked and even before the film has begun you are plunged into uh, a world of chaos and absurdism that i find yeah. delight in every single time this time um watching this i've not watched this film in years okay um but i watched it so much growing up and had not watched it in years not since high school and relatively mid high school hmm I mean, early for the American understanding of high school because our high school was different. Our high school yes, was from eleven yeah, yeah. through eighteen, so mid for me, but early for them, I guess. Um, and I just found myself all the way through, just unprompted, saying lines a second before the lines happened, mm-hmm. just all the way through, just bam, 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 bam. Just it is, it is still so locked away in my mind everything it's, in that film. It's the same thing we talk about with the Moturn movies in terms of like choice of words and yes. but it's also so much about cadence and delivery and rhythm. Obviously they are very learned men and they have some sort of uh, upbringing with with like world cinema and art house cinema and the theater and things and they they're all very convincing performers in very ludicrously silly ways. 
Um, Khalees, well, they all play a, a smorgasbord of different characters, and it's fun to just yeah. like pinpoint where accents change or who's doing what voice. Oh, that's John Cleese doing the hilarious French and <laughs> the soldier accents. Because it is a collection of, of theme sketches still, mm-hmm. but there, yeah. there is a surprising through line of character and consistency to it. Mm. I really like the um, the Terry Jones character, the learned mathematician. Oh, um, yes. That generally has that arc throughout the film of Arthur believes him to be a genius and yes. then slowly realises he's an idiot he's, through the film. You're in a loony. really impressively consistent way. And, and Chapman's Arthur is is really good as a as a stable character at the centre of the mm. film that has that idea of like hope of the grail and the film hangs around. He does a good job of building character across a structure that is clearly just sketch, 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 yeah. sketch, sketch. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's trying to like obviously they were they'd written like a couple of sketches here and there based around like medieval ages and uh, yeah. Arthur and the Arthurian legend in general and then it's like structuring them and then finding how you can tell a story through that and then they worked out they could just tell the the story of the the holy grail and it's just it acts as a like hooks just to hang on jokes hang on sketches you know what what can we play with in this landscape we can play on the plague you know thinking of different medieval <laughs> little things that Not we could that, yeah. work into it also does some really fun stuff with being a film um yes there's that, yeah. there's that great editing joke partway through of one of the characters is rushing the castle and they just loop the scene of them oh yeah, yeah it's Cleese's um, Lancelot <laughs> with the drums there which is the joke on is the thing there's these wonderful intersections of modern day that happen every now and yes, then yes the historian and the police and yeah, that sort of helps build towards funny. the end of the movie there's the castle anthrax scene that reviews itself part way through mm-hmm. that she stops and goes I'm really enjoying this scene is this scene working yeah as you say should this been flash cut? forward but it, <laughs> get it, on it, with it. It, it, it but it's it's characters from later in the movie it's tim it's tim the, uh... it's tim and it's the people it's all the crowds the it's, yeah it's, 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 it's a, jumping a great, form like, it's second it's, time watch joke it's, it's hell's just, a yeah, popping all over the place it's, it's having so much fun so much fun everything's so tactile and gritty and nasty mm. and that's very much a gilliam thing he's he's obviously yeah. massively into the sort of production design and set design stuff and you can see on like his is um his solo directorial efforts films like jabberwocky yeah, uh, and, and munchausen and things have that similar sort of earthy earthiness to them um obviously a stickler in the the production just because the, the performers are trying to perform and gilliam is obsessing over light and and shadow mm. and trying to make you know a piece of cinema rather than television there's also just really fun gags. There's, there's a gag that struck me this time, which I feel like I enjoyed it on a filmic level, but I only really watched it as like, mm. this is funny before, which is, so the historian scene, the historian just appears and just gives exposition mm-hmm. about what's about to happen in a very filmic narrative way, and then is killed. And the next scene is just retelling exactly what he'd said anyway. <laughs> yeah, in like in like narration form pointless. like in, in the voiceover. Wonderful double exposition joke of being like in a different film this would be there as a way of telling the story. So it's to just tell the story. And the fact that it just does both is is just weirdly very funny to me. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm very aware of you think this is here to tell the story. It's not. It's here to be silly. And then we're gonna tell the story anyway. 
that that kind of stuff is just oh that, that, that's that's my jam love it love it love it um an eric idle thing we'll mm. talk about this more in life of brian yep. um but there is a really interesting more presently um resonant moment so for those that don't know um Terry Gilliam and John Cleese have become, and probably always were, but didn't have the platform for, um, quite vocal transphobes, among other um, prejudices, mm. um, and are taking online Cleese especially, because he's more online than Gilliam mm. is, to that very ridiculous thing of, oh, you can't do common anymore, I want to offend people. Yeah, the woke mob, and, the woke mob goddess. Yeah. And, and Eric Idle, who has again, wrote that brilliant parody song against the FCC, is actually championing what free speech means in comedy. Mm -hmm. What it actually means is being like, you people are absolute idiots. And then stats online. Now, the Knights Who Say Knee sketch is very, very funny. (laughs) Yes. And it's a brilliant sketch. Mm -hmm. Michael Palin with the most ridiculous voice and lots of makeup that you can't see. (laughs) Yes. Genius. But there's a really good bit in it. Hmm that holds up which is eric idol plays a character which says what dark times are these where passers-by can say knee to strangers that is so in tune with the power of words and i think that's obviously okay the real reason why cleese and um gilliam gilliam are disappointing is because they were such prog- progressive comedians, or seemingly yes, so in the seventies. Left wing. The real disappointment is the genuine mm. harm they do to people. But for people yes, like myself yeah. and Jack, who are of privileged backgrounds, mm. the disappointment becomes more like, "Oh, but I liked you." Yes, um, you were very and, foundational uh, in my yeah. understanding of comedy, and yeah. But a wider disappointment is the style of comedy, and for as Jack mentioned earlier, brilliantly with the motor stuff of so much the brilliance of Monty Python as, as humour is understanding that words are really important and how you use words is really important mm-hmm. and the ordering and placement of words is what makes comedy. If it makes comedy that means the ordering and placement of words means something. Mm-hmm. If it can be funny it can therefore also be cutting and horrible and for so much this to be about words that impact and, I, and that knee joke is, is silly and whatever but there is something in there about using words to hurt people mm-hmm. and the way that Arthur is so quick to I've realised this causes pain and the idea that yes it's a joke but that words can be weaponized and thrown out there mm. and that even though it's a gag there is truth that they have a character being like this is a horrible thing that you are doing <laughs> the recognition that words matter and cause mm. pain and are the bedrock of comedy comes hand in hand with recognition that words matter and can cause pain and it makes it so much more upsetting for me. And in the same way, you've seen The Fisher King, right? Yeah. Which Gilliam. is a beautiful, uh, a beautiful film. film. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And and the crux of that movie is about people with platforms can say things that have concrete harm they don't realise. Mm-hmm. And there is a need to repair that and to improve as a person. And directed by Terry Gilliam. And if I could recommend that Terry Gilliam watch any movie in his life, it would be the one that he goddamn made. And that's so ridiculous. It and is. It's this understanding of like what art is, that art is made up of verbs and nouns and adjectives and, and brought together as language. And then to see them now, it's just... Uh, 
And so I really appreciate that, yes, it's a gag, but Eric Ardell being like, what dark times are these that passing strangers can say knee to help us with them? It's just like, mm. yeah, yeah, Eric Ardell. Yeah, yeah, what dark times are these? Don't say knee. Don't say knee. Eki, 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 bang. A- Zoop, boy. Zoop, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a stupid movie! It's Absolutely just, uh, ridiculous. I will continue to watch it probably annually until I'm dead. Yeah. Fun running gags, though, of just like, and that's why it works above and beyond a sketch film of Arthur. Can't I think count. my favorite running gag. There you go. It's <laughs> just the, the 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 lightly foreshadowed wonderful thing of he will just never say three, of always say five, mm. and that that <clears throat> then having a comedic moment later is absolute genius. Oh. African swallow, European swallow, just little <laughs> incidental throwaway nonsense that ends up coming back. It's like they were writing it and thinking like, oh, we've got an easy win here. We can just yeah. reference that later on. It ties it up and it makes this look, this like slapdash nonsense sketch show looks like a film. Yeah. Uh, and do you have any intermission 10 minutes from the end is yes, very, very funny. With like the classic like whirly organ from like 70s British cinemas. I think that was the first word scene that hadn't been... I think I learned what an intermission was. Probably. percent. Oh, I was like, oh, 10 minutes before the movie, every movie, they'll just take a little respite and move on. <laughs> and the ending scene being a budgetary constraint that's also just really, really funny. Yes, and the uh, policeman puts his hand over the camera, says zoom back camera, and it ends. <laughs> and because this is this is not a film, like this is reality. Mountain. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It, it actually very much is like the Mountain. It is. Uh, um, funded, funded by the British rock royalty and, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fantastic. I think this is also one of the first films where I had the DVD and I just watched all of the extras all the time. Mm-hmm. They had that yep, Lego I've, sketch. They had that still, documentary. I've got that castles. exact... That, it was a big thing. It was a big thing in like the Python sphere when that like special feature home video release came out. I remember my dad got it and I've still got the same copy. It's why I. It's how I listened to the commentary tracks this week. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yeah, ah, I watched those. Not enough Blu-rays these days come with smorgasbord of special features we should go back to the special feature era i want to know more things about these movies that i purchased anyway let's move on to uh the cheesemakers blessed blessed are the cheesemakers uh steven life of brian so Um, this was your dad's favorite and mine too and i I think this film is why i have my degree genuinely um wow (laughs) let's 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 unpack that (laughs) genuinely i i i Monty Python is why I have a degree in philosophy, and my first draft of my personal statement <laughs> first mentioned that, and my dad was like, "You need to cut Take that out. You firstly won't care." But it was very much like the Bruce's philosopher's song. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not in um, no, but yeah, not in the movie, but just Monty Python and philosophy was just the, for a pretentious. I mean, I was more pretentious and irritating as a teen than I am now. Interesting. This idea that, that this one hundred percent. This was like smart, learned comedy. Was oh, like yeah, the idea yeah. of being like this is academic comedy. This is yeah. yeah, and that's why I've always favoured Life of Brian because as a person that was into philosophy mm-hmm. and that stuff, of it's it's all quite surface level. But if you just have a grounding in the Bible and philosophy. This is it. It really elevates the movie of being like, oh, oh that's yeah. actually a riff on that, and that's a mm. riff on that. Of it always felt like so much of a more cohesive, intelligent. The controversy around it made it more yes. enticing to me. Banned, banned in America and certain places in in the UK, and the church trying to ban it, and oh, uproar, uproar in the streets over Life of Brian. 
and I love the core narrative. I think it is a really good piece of narrative cinema. I do mm-hmm. like Brian's arc. I think that whole faux Jesus arc is very, very funny, but also just a good arc for a main mm-hmm. character. Yeah, all the, the Romans Terry stuff. Gilliam animation piece partway through is so goddamn good. The aliens, um, alien sequence. The alien bit. Yeah. And the, I mean, obviously in my household, graffiti is a big deal. Yeah, that of course. The graffiti scene is just... Romanus, go home. <laughs> it's like a grammar lesson. It's the most. Used, I've ridiculous. used that clip in so many lessons. Oh, it's just so like, funny. It, it does work every time. Like that and the argument sketch were Python clips yeah. that I used in lessons. Mm-hmm. So like kids will find this funny. The rest, <laughs> yeah. you know, humor is different generationally. Sure, but the, these will work. And yet yeah, also a bit risque for as a kid there's some nudity oh god oh absolutely yeah you get some full frontal you get some side boob you get some raunchy jokes you get incontinency and buttocks a lot of graham chapman um yeah this is a a seedy one but this is much more of a movie movie this one in comparison to to the previous two this is like the budget seems to have exploded we have like these gorgeous landscapes and gorgeous environments to work with and massive sets and so many extras it just feels much more like a movie and they put much more development into like the narrative like the central narrative i feel like rather than just having a very flimsy basic like thrown together narrative to, well, yeah, to just like hang... based on Arthurian legend. Of to, you know yeah, Arthurian but you know what I mean go. is that it's just it's so yeah, solely it's... based on nothing. It, like they, just can, they can yeah. make it up and they can they can turn it on however they, way they want, and then just taking like biblical lessons and teachings and environments and morphing that into a sketch show. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah I, I absolutely just adore this movie. Mm-hmm. I love, love the opening. The opening song is so good. The ending so- song is so good. Um, another fun thing. I've, I just have so many memories. And some of them are familial. Of, I remember reading the tagline of this movie, and my dad explaining to me why it was a joke, because um, the tagline was "makes Ben Hur look like an epic." Oh, okay. Right, and yeah. my dad had to explain to me what an epic meant in that yes, way, yeah. and what Ben Hur was. Who was Ben? <laughs> it was just like this is why this is, f-. and that's why I love this stuff. Of occasionally, it was like bonding stuff of stuff yeah. There. Oh, hundred like, percent. I feel like. That is a lot of my connection to this is I use this to talk to my friends. I use this yeah. as a means to talk to my family, to extended family. And yeah, this is why like, this is funny. And, yeah. and and I think both of us quite similar on this. Of A lot of humour that we like is, oh, boy, this is why this is funny. Mm-hmm. And this engages you on something of like, there's something to, to unpick here. Yes, and there's something to think about. it's not intelligent or complex. It's like, oh, that's why that works. I think Python's such a good idea for... Not maybe multi-layered, but like doubly layered humor of I feel that's like silly, it's, it's, but it's also this. It's a left brain, right brain thing of like, yes, okay. this is absolutely ridiculous and silly and creative and wild. But underneath, you can think about it in this like academic, logical way that has a rooting in what's going on here. And the Sermon on the Mount scene, which you re- which you mm-hmm. referenced Bless earlier, is the perfect example of. I watched that scene as a child and found it very, very funny because all the jokes are very, very good. Yep. And at no point does it go, oh, by the way, I mean, it's obvious, but at no point does it go, this is this is what Jesus said and this is what them saying. Mm-hmm. But then when you know the Sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and you, can, you know that everything they say is just a slant rhyme on what Jesus said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it adds to it so it much works. more. I've been like, oh, peacemakers, cheesemakers, the Greek, the meek. The Greek. The fact that it, it, it lets that be in the background. <laughs> And then, oh, blessed are the meek. Oh, blessed are the meek. Oh, that's like, nice. <laughs> that's nice. The meek Will you be quiet? 
I think it's one of my first examples of you know I spoke about this of I love a film that makes you meet it of mm. the film just being like just presumes you know certain things yep. and if you know it you'll find that very very funny and I had to learn that stuff and I think that's why I found it so engaging mm-hmm. 100% it's always it's like going back and watching uh, Simpsons episodes and catching jokes you yes. didn't realise so much later because you now realise what the reference is or what the wider context is to the joke it's a perfect comparison because Simpsons is also just very funny because it's good inherent joke writing. Mm-hmm. But there's but more to like, it. There are, oh, these are these are smart Harvard writers getting these cushy sitcom jobs and and to be frustrating. And that's the opposite of the Family Guy issue, right? Of like when you're mm. young, you're like, oh, this is funny because I know what you're referencing, and that's mm-hmm. why it's funny because I've seen RoboCop or whatever. Sure. As opposed to oh, I've seen RoboCop, but that's also quite funny. Of there is reference humor like spaced is really good at that of being yes it's skip to the end is a good thing to say and then later you go oh the princess bride i've seen Mm -hmm. that now i get it that's great um so there you go that's my bit um i'm off off my soapbox now arms for an old ex-leper a perfect example of (laughs) like (laughs) leper all my notes for this film are just like one line bits that just send me into hysterics just because i just it's it's, it, it's so good. Um, there are two things I want to talk about specifically in Life, Brian. Um, uh, okay, one of them on. is obvious, and we'll, yep. we'll save that. One of them is, in a film that I think is just astonishing, is a problem with it. I will say um, the Suicide Squad, not that Suicide Squad, but the costume design of the mm. Suicide Squad is unfortunate bad <laughs> oh gosh and that's a thing i had not picked up on before being yeah. like, oh god that's a mix of just charged charged imagery mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is bad what a what, what a ruination of a of a terrific joke yeah but, yeah that that's how uh, just as as you get older and jokes become funnier other jokes might you know become less funny slash you realize the implications of the wider oh, sort of that's thing why they're dressed in that mix of that three cultures mm-hmm. and you thought all those three cultures and both together yeah yeah but rough 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 the scene of the movie that stands out now to continue our idle discussion is the letter scene <laughs> yes it's symbolic of our struggle against oppression what a fascinating scene. Fascinating. What, what, and uh, fascinating to have Cleese such a central part of this <laughs> scene. And yeah, and the, overlying oh. sequence as well, because um, uh, Cleese's character dead names them at some point and is corrected all later for, on. All, all throughout you know, the movie. Yeah, yeah. That consistent characterization of Reg of Cleese is, is, is one of the best characters of the film because he's allowed yeah. to be arsehole villainous, but mm. the good guy, but actually a dick. And it's such great casting for Cleese, you know. Not since the Clifford movie, as as, as John Cleese has been cast. So yeah, the last scene for those that have not seen this, but are somehow listening, um, is when Eric Idle's character comes out as trans, basically, and says mm. they want to be be called Loretta, um, and they talk about the right to have babies. Yes, and they want to have babies, but they fight for the right to, for, the, for the right for them to have babies. Which a lot of it is falling back on itself, silly humour. Mm-hmm. And I mean, okay, we're being overly charitable. The central gag, that is the gag. The central gag of, of it is men can't have babies, ha, mm-hmm. is the gag. Yeah, it because is. Because it's well written, it breaks away from that and it actually resonates much more of it does work under a modern understanding of what, what gender means. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there is this thing about fighting for the rights of things are important. And it is important to protect the rights for things that even if they don't affect you, and that's really important. And it's lovely that the sympathetic character is the character that wants these rights and these be protected and that the arsehole character is framed negatively. It's, it's, it's a really cool scene in that way. And it's, it's I think, just quite funny that it's Eric Heidel on one side and John Cleese on, on the other side. And, and this is happening on Twitter now. Yep. <laughs> like the, 50 years later. Their dynamic. Absolutely bizarre. It is the, uh, yeah, Judean People's Front versus the People's Front of Judea all over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great joke. The, the, the so, many, so many, so many Judean People's uh, Front. Yeah, the PFJ splitters. Uh, Jaguar's earlobes, biggest dickers. <laughs> um, I mean, the one joke which I guiltily find really, really funny, and I know that I wouldn't if I watched because this comes up because we have friends, you remember listening, hello, who do not don't like. like these yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. I, I had friends growing up as well, even in England, who absolutely despised this type of humour, this, this, yeah. this comedy, which has always been wild to me, but. And I don't know what. I'd, if I watched. So, Vaughn, for example, watched. Holy Grail relatively recently and really liked it, but we've mm. been like, you know, not all of it holds up. And I bet I'd be that same. I bet I'd be saying, I, I just not can't, all of this works, I, but some of it really works. But I it'd can't. be like it'd be like watching Star Wars for the first time. I just can't imagine yeah. doing it. It's just something that's so ingrained in who I am. I don't remember the first time I saw it. It just seems to be a, a constant part of me. So it's so difficult yeah. to break down why it works or why I think it works and why um, you know I find it funny and why I revisit these movies so often. Mm. It is very much a very personal bond to these movies, as well as the fact that I just think they're very, very funny and very well done. That's the weird thing, like, in my relationship, I've been like, I would never, like, Emma, let's sit down and watch a Monty Python movie, because I'm like, you probably wouldn't enjoy it. Mm. I'm like, I love this so much. And, like, in our dynamic, I'm not like this, but Mm. there's a part of me that is just Mm. like, I love this. This But every time, every single time I throw it on, I'm like, maybe this is the time where I I come away and I'm going like, nah, I don't, I don't like this anymore. Like maybe I'm past this, and it never happens. It absolutely never happens. I put the four Yorkshiremen sketch on YouTube, and I'm having the best day of my life. That's just one of the funniest pieces of material ever made. But the key moment in um, Life of Brian that I'm like, I would not find this fun anymore, but I still do because I love it. Is the release Roger. And Samson, the oh, the Wadger, yes, yeah, of, yeah, like, yeah. It is, it is an able, it is a scene late, of, of ableism. Late, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, biggest um, dickers, and, and I showed Emma a scene from. I will talk about this in a second from Meaning of Life because it's a really funny gag, and I was like, Emma, you'll really enjoy this, which is right at the beginning of the film, and someone asks, "Is it a boy or a girl?" <laughs> oh yes, yes, it's like yes. it's a bit early to be assigning roles to people, isn't it? I'm yes, like, that's, yeah, very that's rather progressive the, for. Uh, <laughs> that class thing of that's there as a joke but it's also like yeah um, that's very very funny Mm -hmm. and then it cut to the um the birth in the third world and emma looked at that and goes she was like oh where is it where is it where is it like and and i was like no wait for it and it says yorkshire (laughs) yorkshire that was it yeah and she goes yeah that that is really classist yes it is (laughs) like you are right it is deeply classist well that was um, i I think that's a palin thing i think it's it's a palin Palin thing because he grew up in in chef uh, somewhere in yorkshire yeah yeah. it is deeply classist and then i said oh then there's the every spum of sacred song she goes that sounds like really pro-life i go but it's it's, but it's kind of a gap i feel like i now have to i have to just like preface everything like oh yeah but also this Mm, it's tough Um, i mean like 
I, yeah, I just can't imagine reacting to this for the first time anymore. Like, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, even the even the meaning of life, which we're kind of talking about now. The meaning of life is a film I've seen the least. I say, I've Holy Grail, Holy Grail, and Life of Brian seen umpteen times, like thirty plus each at least. And meaning of life, I'd say less than less than five times. I've seen this in my whole life. I just never, I never found myself going back to this one. I don't understand why, really, because this one, out of the sketchy movies, this is obviously the most cinematic. And I think a lot of that it's is better than something completely different. I'm not it, saying it's it a is, great movie, but it is it is better than that. It, it's still like awkwardly uh, balanced. I think the 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 way it splits itself into parts of parts of life is a bit of a drag and i yeah but and it opens with that massive uh the, uh, the crimson permanent assurance oh, I, um, I told you this i told us when you watched it being like the opening short life brian is the best yeah bit of it. it's the best part of the right, movie what? and i'm like it's so and, good opening, like it's, I, I think i was reading into it in one of the the gilliam on gilliam books and uh, the pythons just did not want that in the movie whatsoever but it worked as like a decent opener oh, when, it and comes back, Beth, when it comes back mm. later it's really really funny yeah it is yeah, so the best you, part that, of the movie that opening um, short film, Swashbuckler. Yeah, the, it's a it's a comedy short. Isn't it? yeah. He wanted to do stuff and was allowed like access to a soundstage to mm. go beyond animation. Basically, was what I was reading about. Of he wanted to do, do things with live action film that was mm. very unpython. Of it's a comedy short, but it's not comedy in the Python kind of way. No, it's, it's very it, much comedy in something that Brazil is funny. Um, it's conceptually funny and it's not yeah, it's not yes. gag heavy it's not it's not visual humor high concept than, humor the, yeah. it's high concept humor that's what it is i think that's what gilliam always gravitated towards for the python stuff anyway obviously chapman and uh cleese were more sort of the the wordier where's, where's the wordier gag, yeah. stuff where's the gag how can we make this um and jones and palin and idol also have different Let's approaches do <laughs> just do silly voices just do his old old lady voice um but yeah, yeah. No, you're right though because like, for gilliam it's very much you can see the thing being like yeah this line isn't funny mm. there's no joke here but in context this is the joke yeah and i feel that's more my kind of style now mm. of being like no, this whole concept to... is very very funny yeah the underpinning bits don't need to be Pushing the you can you can just make a you can just make a very engaging joke. swashbuckler inside the concept of this this ludicrous like accountancy firm like sailing the high seas to I'm not surprised you didn't remember it because I remember being deeply confused by this mm, because it doesn't feel like you're watching a Monty Python movie well, yeah, you're expecting like, like, but also just like what is this yeah I was yeah, like this isn't the film what is going on it doesn't announce itself as like a comedic bit for a while as well there's like a there's a slow tempo there's a slow rhythm to it before you know mm. the the anarchy and the chaos really starts to emerge and then we get into the mil- the miracle of birth oh no it goes into the, the fish tank and you see all all the pythons with horrible cgi faces on the on goldfish I, I hate looking at them absolutely hate looking at them one of those is a time bandits costume that wasn't used in time Bandits. oh my god that's great because i love time bandits love but we'll save that for whenever we do gilliam in oh, 25 yeah, years when he's yeah he's dead when he's, dead. Dead. when he's when he's dead again um but yeah you got miracle of birth um i think it's that a bit early great. to be imposing, imposing gender roles on it 
Uh, the Yorkshire stuff with the Protestant speech by uh, Graham oh, Chapman over the road as the kid, really the funny. line of kids that, is just coming out well, the house. That, that's the gag, though. That's why it works as a mm, film. Yeah. I, I wish it committed to it more because it cuts away at a certain point. It is but, a long time. That is a long a couple minute a, cut of uh, Chapman's monologue there. I don't think I've ever found that funny before because yeah. I've not really been watching it. Mm, I'm exactly. Like, yeah. This is such a committed gag of these kids just keep on like clown car style. Just bam, 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 bam. I do like... Um, gone. But then it cuts to a couple of scenes that I can't imagine most people thinking are particularly hilarious. The but John Cleese... Forgive me, audience, but these next few scenes are the most like relatable <laughs> This Is Britain things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And so it starts with the God, you are so big. So really, really Really big, big. yes. So absolutely huge, which isn't funny. <laughs> But is so resonant to when you're in primary school in the UK, yeah. all primary schools are for no reason deeply church, religious. Yeah. And you just sit there and you just say church things that just might as well just be, be God, you are so big, so yeah, really, really yeah. big. And then it escalates to the high school John Cleese. The John Cleese that, as, the, as, the, as the, 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 the teacher who is a very okay. good role, I feel like. The sex ed thing was always funny because it's funny. It's funny. But it's the, funny that they... they, put, they the, the 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 other pythons as the students and oh, it's great it's fantastic and the sex ed class where they have sex it's, it's a good gag good um, bit but the put your clothes on another peg gag is the most it's well bureaucracy yes yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. brilliant something like yeah there you go I was like I can it's, understand where someone's like what is going on here but like no that is absolutely perfect it's one of those that works so well in the written form as well like you see all these books of uh, Monty Python sketches like written down because they work mm. written down as well because they're so meticulously crafted within mm. the paragraph you know within the actual phrase and it's just like the rhythm that they get down to and it's it's chapman versus cleese and that little uh, exchange there and it's just so funny and i love how they always play into the, the dynamics of cleese as the stubborn like traditional schoolmaster and like so chapman good. as like the scared little kid and it's just it's yeah it's absolutely wonderful i can't see how it plays anywhere else other know, than england I, and I, I don't know just says don't know. clothes on peg bit is britain like if you're to ask me <laughs> what is britishness and this is probably quite a homogenous and maybe like pseudo like racist and erasing view of mine but like that is so much experience of put your clothes in from peg peg just like just so hard to describe, but that is just <laughs> it's yep, yeah yeah one hundred percent. Those that, that know, cool. those that know, know. You know, if you know, if you know, you know. In the sex head sketch, the three lines I wrote down was now sex. That's a funny joke, and <laughs> John Cleese just saying, "What's wrong with a kiss, boys?" Oh yeah, is it the clitoris, <laughs> sir? What's yeah, wrong with a stampede kiss? towards the clitoris? That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you uh, know this is the first time I heard the word clitoris. Oh, like one hundred percent. Just John Cleese being like, "Don't stampede towards the clitoris." <laughs> What's wrong, wrong with this boy? <laughs> it's just uh, when it's good, it's good. Uh, just, yeah, meaning of life has some of the best Monty Python sketches in it. And the rest of it is like, well, well, well. Yeah, I really like, um, welcome to the middle section of the film. We're going to play Find the Fish. And there's this just most, like, three-minute 
weird surrealist I intermission hated that bit so much this time. I, I, I hated it I'd so much. I never seen that. I ne- I just do not recall that part. So watching it this time, I was like, this is just wild. This is the. Oh, I remember th- a fish. Really? The fish that went wherever I yes. did go, and I'd been like, what is I was like, going this on? Is, and not in I a good feel way. like if if you talk to someone about Monty Python, that's kind of the vibe that they get. I feel like yeah. I feel like that's a common idea of Monty Python is just stupid, absurd nothingness. And that's the middle part um, for you. I, I think there's one scene in this film that encapsulates all that is good and bad about it, which okay. is a, a, a sketch that has some absolutely brilliant comedy in it, but also is just so misjudged. And that is the, the Zulu pastiche, which features Michael Caine. Yes. Michael Caine is in it, which it is, is funny. Yeah. Um, which would be funnier if Zulu wasn't just racist trash. Um, I've never seen it. But the Zulu bit is, it, for one, it's rough because that's the only black people in the movie. Um, yeah. And they're presented this way. And there's a bit at the end where a black person walks on and it's Terry Gilliam. Oh. Um, because they unzip themselves and it's ter- and like, oh, yes, right, it's yes, not yes, a yes, black sorry, face yeah. scene, but that as a constructed it's, gag it, is, is, it, is not great. Is, is, yeah, it's difficult. But the bit in the centre of it is just, and this is why it's so conflicting, is just such <laughs> Perth Monty Python, is two people dressed as a tiger just explaining why they're not a tiger is one of the funniest Monty Python sections in this deeply conflicting problematic sketch them being like, and just them keeping interrupting with new excuses when they're not even looking for excuses anymore is is everything. Have they got my leg? (laughs) Oh, a leg! A leg! (laughs) Oh, we're not a tiger! (laughs) Ridiculous. Um, there's the, like the philosophical restaurant where the that bit's really uh, annoying. That bit absolutely it's, sucks. It's yeah, it's a slow, that's a slow one. Uh, live organ transplants, and then brilliant. we get into absolutely some more, more of the Eric Idle songs, which are probably one of the standout bits from um, this film as a whole for me. Though the live organ transplant bit is brilliant, but it mm. also starts with dreadlocked Terry Gilliam. Um, uh-huh, which is never good <laughs> which is not good um, but the sketch is conceptually brilliant and the universe song is mm-hmm. amazing well even when we get to the Mr. Creosote part and it's Eric Idle on the piano just singing isn't it nice, isn't awfully, nice, awfully nice, nice to have a penis <laughs> it's just a sketch. ridiculous um, what do you think about the Mr. Creosote gross out sequence of this movie because um, I don't like right. it I don't, I don't like, like it this. at all I, 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 I've, I've never so, liked this bit. No, same. It's so deeply fatphobic, um, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that goes out This is my problem with, life, with a Meaning of Life. It has bits in it that I love. The bit after the sketch I find so funny. Mm. And it's only funny because of the sketch of when French Eric Idle waiter takes you on that long walk and then gives Meaning of Life and goes, well, that's it. Well, well fuck off. Like, that yeah. bit mm-hmm. is absolutely genius. That whole sequence. the bit before to taker. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you take the good with the yeah. bad. The creosote bit is gross. It's iconic, but still gross. Mm-hmm. Of the Wafferfin. I still quote Wafferfin a lot. Oh, God, I, yeah, I hear that more every time. Than, than most things, um, really. I hear that more than most things. The practical effect of exploded creosote is very That's... impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have no no problems with like the technicality of things. I just don't the like. I just don't horrible. like watching it. You are. 
the vomit humor is horrible. That's the thing. Like, I've never associated Python with like extreme gross-out stuff. Like, never really. Like, outside Ooh, of a bit of a, a, a bit of gore and like a bit verbose wordplay, but like just vomity blowing up man. Uh, yeah, well, never like it. I always just sort of like, eh. and then we get to death coming to the dinner party, which is well. A, no, before that, you have the dying. Well, you have the the naked women running. Um, yeah, which is an awkward watch of your father. Um, and then you have the oh, the Terry Gilliam dying leaves sketch mm. is is genius of just the the screaming the transition of the seasons yes. with personified leaves screaming as they go down. It's just such a great gag. I love the Grim Reaper sketch so much. Mm. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's also legit scary, creepy. Like, Again, the design it's that, it's that of, Gilliam... of the Grim Reaper is love seeing his bones mm. for it oh yeah and it's <laughs> you didn't use tin salmon did you dear oh how frightfully <laughs> embarrassing um, ridiculous oh that, that's good and then dare i say the meaning of life the film gives i think is surprisingly excellent mm, it's good when it says you know read a good book every now and then get some exercise blah blah, blah. it's I'm it's like, you know what i think this film did find the meaning of life it's it to it's just... your life of meaning it's exactly it's find your own find your own little meaning yeah. uh, don't cause harm to others and just you know yeah. chill out chill out once in a while I did an exam in my first year of university in my philosophy degree much mentioned yeah which I answered a question about the meaning of life and I got a first for it and I pretty much just copied out this it was pretty much a dining <laughs> the idea being make life the meaning of life is to make life meaningful yes like, absolutely it is, it is a thing that you do that is you don't search for it you make sure you, you make your it. life with meaning so there you go thank you Monty Python you got That's me a first in first year it meant beautiful. nothing for first year how dare you <laughs> but that that's the that's the four film run and mm. sadly after after meaning of life chapman graham chapman sadly passed away um from alcoholic uh, like alcoholism and other uh, related related diseases yeah. through that I- and they never really well they never made a film again and only did sort of like stage showy stuff and collaborated between them on different bits and pieces but no real python projects post that yeah can I say something that might be slightly embarrassing? And feel free to cut this out if you, if you think mm. this doesn't run well. So, so proviso. Um, with Graham Chapman, another thing is, I think this is one of the first public figures that, as a younger person growing up in a very secluded, isolated, homogenous part of Britain, that I was aware of as being gay and being a public figure, mm. in which... The only other figures I knew of that were gay, it was seen as that was a part of them that was part of, like, it was the the Elton Johnny kind of thing. Of, I was thinking was the same thing. As, as, like, a joke mm-hmm. of, and, and obviously that's entirely horrible, but it was seen as, like, that's part of their character. It's presentation, it the first isn't it? Normalized, like, oh, this person and this person is just, is just gay. Of, like, that, mm-hmm. that for me as a young teen was also really quite impactful of mm. I was so used to queerness being only caricature uh, and only uh, presented, presented as, as, affectation. as foreign, presented as another mm. yeah, mm-hmm. and there is gay panic stuff in the Python stuff and it, and it mm. is disappointing every time but then it's also couched in the, uh, the where it comes from often is on a reflection of the time and of you know, that there is, there is a gay Python and obviously it is a reflection of that and, and I, I do, did want to allude to that at some point that mm. The, the queerness of, of Chapman was a realisation point for me of the normalisation of, of identities that I was not 
confronted with are not as aware of living in a very kind of like mm. secluded homogenous part of, of Britain leafy suburbs middle classy growing up so there you go 100% I didn't even really really even thought about that but yeah absolutely um, right where can we go from here I I'll do a quick I rundown some more stuff yeah, I was going to say, I was going to do a quick sort of a little rundown of some, some side projects yeah. slash a bit of stuff that came before, a bit of stuff that came afterwards. Um, like, in 69, as as Flying Circus is going, nice. there's a, a pre, pre-Python pre feature film mockumentary called How to Irritate People, <laughs> which I've seen a couple times. It's a, it's a Cleese... Uh, like Cleese fronts it, and uh, he's got a lot better at that. I'd say Chapman and uh, Palin and Connie Booth as well are in it. Um, hey. and it's okay; it's uh, absolutely fine. You can read my letterbox review on it. It is just fi- finding their footing still. Obviously, they're not all involved, and there's a bit of nonsense. There's a lot of hit and miss, but it is just sort of like a primordial version of Flying Circus. Stephen, do you remember in the Beatles Get Back? The, yeah. the the five hour documentary about recording Let oh, It Be. Oh boy, do I! Uh, the award winning, award winning. There is a part, uh, like three quarters of the way through, where Peter Sellers comes into the studio and picks up yes, Ringo Starr, and, and they and they leave and they go off to film uh, a film. That film is called The Magic Christian. And I watched it um, a couple of weeks ago, just for fun, and I completely forgot it's kind of a Python movie, because <laughs> cool. uh, I think John Cleese and Graham Chapman are in it and possibly produced it, but it is a weird movie. Weird good? It is a, I really, really like this movie, in that it cool. is Peter Sellers, as like a rich, well-to-do man, adopts Ringo Starr, who was just a, a homeless man, and he shows I mean, you, the homeless you've seen man. The Beatles movies, right? Like Ringo Starr has comedic chops. Oh, like, he, he is, is a very he is, funny. He's he a very funny. He's kind of the straight man in this, but he's very good. Um, and the whole film is about that anyone can be corrupted by money, and the richest man in the world, Peter Sellers, can just get away with everything through money, and it just comes into very strange and absurdist. Go down very deep. Anti-establishmentarianism sort of sketches and very very All funny. Not really Python related, but I did want to talk about it. Um, what else have we got afterwards uh, or during the run? There was that live stage show I watched called uh, Monty Python uh, meets Beyond the Fringe with Alan Bennett and Peter Cook. It's called Pleasure at Her Majesty's, and it's fine. You can see like been to the fringe. I've never been to the Fringe. I would love to go to the Fringe. Have you been to the I Fringe? Ha- I, the Edinburgh yeah, Fringe um, Festival, yeah, comedy festival up in Scotland. Um, some really good friends of mine, hello if you're listening, um, live up in um, in Edinburgh. And we had more friends live up there. That, that, so now we've got a couple of close friends live there and we had another Amazing. Like, group of close friends that did live up there. So we went up to the Fringe and I was just determined to go see the weirdest stuff. Because oh, God, yeah. There is some the outsider stuff out there. Oh, man. I So... We went to see at 1 a.m. the Leeds University Comedy Club, so not even like the official Leeds Comedy Club, mm-hmm. Alternative Comedy oh Night, boy. so we called it Acid. And me and friend of the show, friend of yours, mm-hmm. AJ and Emma, found this so funny. Like it was just, <laughs> and everyone with us was just so just like, what did you take us to? I was going to say, 1 a.m. like our, delusion our, sets in. Our friend Jenny just like kept looking at us and being like, what? and I was just like, this is so. And 
it was that great kind of comedy of like I couldn't tell if any of it was purposeful or was it just completely falling just apart a spur like, of the moment they, yeah. they kept talking about how no one was turning up I'm like I think this is a gag I think it's a gag that you have no act and that none of this is really oh my happening God. and so yeah my like other, other friends were there to see like legit shows at the fringe and I was there to just see the weirdest stuff possible <laughs> well um, you know people spend weird. their time there at is... the fringe festival doing different things yeah, and Steve I mean, wants to go again this summer um, find the, the weird we... weird stuff give me the weird we planned to go every year and then COVID happened that was because this was 2019 uh, we're like well, that's, we've got friends in Edinburgh it's unaffordable to go normally but we can crash on a friend's floor let's go to the fringe every year I love this so much mm. we saw a a riff on Rosencrantz and Gilderstone are dead oh very cool and Gilderstone are dead are dead which oh, is oh. taking it a step further of it's two people trying to put on the show Rosencrantz oh, and Gilderstone wow. are dead that's <laughs> really cool so it was like a step away and Edward not seen Rosencrantz and Gilderstone but also still found it really really funny I'm like this is even funnier if you know that because it's just mm-hmm. them going in and out of role. yeah there's a Sorry if this is like the fringe. No, the I, I would love to go to the fringe. Rules. Let's we'll work on yeah. the stacks fringe show. Emma used to work season. at the fringe. She she what? volunteered at a venue, the fringe, just just before uni and at uni. And, I'm learning and a lot. Learning a lot. Yay. Um. So yeah, beyond the fringe, it's fine. You can watch a couple of sketches, <laughs> and there's a very funny part during the uh, the dead parrot sketch where. Uh, Ma- Michael Palin is just corpsing. He just can't keep it together. Cleese is doing such a good job, and like the the crowd are really receptive. It's so so funny. Um, so Stephen, what what like post Python projects did you did you watch this week? So yeah, I mean my my, my wider um, previous familiarity is um, I'd seen a bunch of you know Michael Palin documentaries, a bunch of Terry mm-hmm. Jones documentaries. Yeah, that's what they're that's what they do nowadays. And you watch a lot of Terry Jones at school. If you go to school nowadays and you're in history, you watch a lot of Terry Jones mm-hmm. and um, what's his name? Tony Robinson stuff. Tony um, Blackadder. H- yeah, yeah. Hilarious that that's just what you watch now. Um, Baldrick. Um, Faulty Towers um, oh. It's obviously very, very good. Can't mm-hmm. believe it's coming Can't back. believe it's please coming back. It's please going don't. to... I don't. just don't please want don't. to watch that. Just Thank don't. you. Just don't. Faulty Towers, absolutely excellent. I had a... VHS tape a few episodes and watch them just back to back to back. I, I watch. I don't it. think I've ever seen the whole of it. I've I, really wow. I, I'll watch it. I'll watch it through once every couple of years. I uh, yeah. I think most of it is still excellent. Yeah. Screwdriver, Greek salad, classic. Great stuff. Great stuff. Don't mention the Great war. Stuff. Good bit. You know what? Good bit. Good bit. Good bit. Good bit. Let's hit this car or the stick. Um, <laughs> great gags. Um, the ruples. Yeah. I watched The Ruttles, who the I knew Ruttles. from Rutland Weekend Television. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, because you, you watch weird stuff on TV when you're you younger. Because it you was just on. two channels, <laughs> and stuff was just, was just on, so you watched it. So I'd weirdly watched bits of Rutland Weekend Television, but not The Ruttles. Okay. Um, that first Ruttles film is excellent. This is good, isn't it? I don't know if it's I... that funny. It's not. It's, it's, just, it's just impressive in the musicality it's really, front. It's just, it's such an on-the-nose Beatles, not even parody, it's like a homage. It's, it's such a committed pastiche yeah. of Hard Day's Night and then the Beatles' career, of how it beat-for-beat beat matches mm-hmm. the Beatles' career. But it's also just a good, like, it's a good documentary of a fake band. Mm, it's it's pre-Spinal it, Tap as well. It, it's, like... I was very, not very often, actually laughing, but going, "Oh, that's clever! Oh, that's it's, good! It's, it's oh, an enjoyable clever. watch." Oh, though, that's isn't good. It? It's yeah, yeah. It's a really much of that. I watched the sequel, Rutles, um, the Rutles, Rutles Two. Can't buy me lunch. Yeah, How is that? Because I've not seen that. 
It's not good. Because um, it's like you can, can, you can convince yourself it's good. Isn't it? it's, I convince a... myself it's good. I okay, gaslight I can, myself. I'm very good at doing um, that. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, so it's kind of terrible. Um, oh, great. But also kind of endearing. So it feels of its time to the extent that you can read it as a critique of its time. Because in the mm. same way that first film was very much about the music documentary, Beatlemania stuff, felt very much of, the, of that period. This feels like a a late night cable really shittily done documentary about something yeah to the extent that it feels like a purposeful parody of itself in that way it's got so many talking heads with just like windows movie maker style <laughs> here's their name at the bottom of it it feels and this is me probably overreading it feels self-aware of a mm. if the ruttles happened now this would be a late night on Channel Five yeah. Star yeah. Plus One, yeah. blah blah, weird thing. Just the a made-for-TV dog, yeah. And it's not as funny as having um, Mick Jagger the whole way through that first Ruttles film <laughs> because yeah. that's such a clever that's joke. A good bit. And also, the fact that he's willing to do that is great. This time, you've got loads of people. You've got David Bowie really committed to being in role. And wow. David Bowie's role is that he is above this and doesn't want to talk about it. Amazing, um, perfect. That's very funny. It ruins it at the end, but there's an actual gag reel of everyone being like, <laughs> and you see David Bowie corpse, and I'm like, that kind of ruins oh. the gag that he's in it. I genuinely wanted a proper, like, Chris Morris style, let's trick a bunch of musicians into yes. saying about how the Ruttles are great, but you can't do that because it's Eric Idle and the Ruttles already exist. <laughs> so it's, it's like a fictionalized version of the thing that I want. Okay. It isn't very good, but it is kind it's, of endearing. I, I mean, it's like less way. than an hour long. I, I do want to watch yeah, it at some I, you point. I like it. Eric it's, Idle, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, I, uh, and yeah, then I watched his, on Netflix, what about filmed Dick? stage show. What about Dick? Don't watch that, it's bad. Okay, sold. It's a filmed radio show, which is quite fun did to Did he write? Watch. Did he, I assume he wrote, Eric Idle so wrote. He, and yeah, directed. he writes it and he narrates it. And it's fun to watch because it, it's him and Tim Curry are like prominent in it, as are a few. Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman. Billy Connolly. And, and, and Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. He's bad. Um, it, it, radio is great. And. Jack and I, again, are of the age where we felt like you had to do radio comedy and then you got to do TV comedy. So I have mm-hmm. such I have such a, an attachment to radio comedy. And one of the joys of radio comedy is you can do kind of like everything, swapping roles, and it's fun to watch people take on multiple roles in something and oh, see God, that performance. Yeah. That's dynamic. And it's them reading off scripts, um, okay. which is fun to watch because it's like them discovering it as they read it and mm. really enjoying it. Watching it as a them performing and corpsing is really appealing of yeah, sure. Billy Connolly doing silly voices. Watching Eddie Izzard play an Indian character and Ooh. just Sir Walter Ben Kingsley or whatever he's called. Oh, like, no. it's just like That stuff is, is really bad. Mm. Of it. That's the problem with like radio comedy of, oh, you can be anyone and here's what that you means. You can't be anyone. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, the seeing behind the curtain of performers performing comedy in that way is really appealing. Um, the script's not very good. Sorry, Eric. Um, I love you. Eric Idle, I love you. The best part of Transformers the movie and Shrek the Third, you really are. <laughs> but um, actually, actually, you're not the best part of Transformers the movie. I actually quite like Transformers the movie. You're one of the worst parts. I'm sorry, Eric. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really limp 70s style double entendres. It's, mm. it's carry-on stuff for oh, okay. about 80 minutes. I've had enough of that to last a lifetime. It's, it's <laughs> we'll called do What car- About Dick. 
Did okay. you know the word dick can mean several things? What? Oh, that's crazy to that's, me. That's the humour. It's not worth watching. It's, it's on Netflix. Not Don't watch watching. it. I will not. Another, like, big Python-adjacent film that I really enjoyed growing up was A Fish Called Wonder. Have you seen A Fish Called Wonder? I love A Fish Called Wonder. I think this might be the best thing Cleese ever wrote. I think I've this not is a, seen it since watching it with I my dad when watched, I was maybe. 16. I was going to rewatch it for this. I, I watched it maybe last year or the year before, and I just absolutely loved it as a piece of like comedy script writing. Everything's going to go wrong. Several narratives, bank heist, comedy caper, mistaken identity. Oh, I think it's an absolute textbook of how to write a, a comedic you screenplay. Love textbooks. You love textbooks. I love a good textbook. Um, I Jamie Lee Curtis. I love textbooks. Um, I talk an office house about reading textbooks all the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's absolutely hilarious. I want to see the sequel. or I don't know if it's a sequel or like a, a spiritual sequel called Fierce Creatures. I think also right, written... You watch the sequel and I'll watch Gregory's Two Girls and we'll both watch okay. sequels to okay. seminal British comedy films. Okay. You're like, this has a sequel? Why? <laughs> why, why, why? Uh, there's other things like Yellow Beard, which um, starred Grand Chapman in it and Eric Idle's in it. I didn't like it. I didn't feel the need to revisit it. Have um, you seen Spamalot? I've seen Spamalot a couple of times. Um, and obviously, I, yeah, surprising I, no one, ha- absolutely loved it. I, yeah, I saw it with, with, with my dad and with one of the Pestels, as previously mm. mentioned in, in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, um, there's no way you're listening. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've seen it a couple times. Um, with uh, Dick and Dom <laughs> played um, Arthur and is it Patsy, whoever yeah. the secondary person is. And then I saw who else? It's Marcus Brigstock play Arthur. That, that, oh, the guy yeah, that of King awesome. Stupid from CBBC's Stupid. <laughs> But yeah, Spamalot is absolutely fantastic. I think, yeah, the thing now is I got Stephen with a deep cut CBC reference. We got him. Um, I think, yeah, Idol's trying to do Life of Brian stage show, or Cleese is trying to do it, and the other one's trying to stop him. I don't really know Good. the details on that, but I would like to see it. I like Mighty Python, you see. Um, Harry Potter, Clifford, James yeah. Bond. Yeah, he's in those. Shrek. Um, obviously, everyone watched Terry Jones's uh, 2015 film, Absolutely Anything, which reunited the yeah, the Pythons for the first time in a while as voice roles as aliens. It's not very good. It's a Simon Pegg comedy. Um, Ooh, not very take f- that, Simon Pegg. Um, um, that's kind of it. Other than like the reunion shows that seem to play on TV every other year, where they're playing at Wembley and doing, you know, dragging out all the classic sketches, I'll just watch these movies. I'll just even just throw on YouTube clips. I just, yeah, I, I yeah, they mean a lot to me. I, I still really like them. I, it's tough to separate myself. It's a masonic from them. handshake you do with people. It's a you quote a Monty Python. You either you either into it or you're not. Uh, yes, I you're I can't really coax people into the 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 Python fandom at this point. I feel like I don't know if if Python just appeared out of the blue today and I'd never seen it before. Would I even like it? I don't know. I'll never be able That's to. That's interesting because there was that quote from Cleese, wasn't it, of being mm. like the you know Monty Python because he was like you know it was just six dudes or whatever um six white guys with, with a show you wouldn't yeah they wouldn't do it i was like yes you're right but not for the reasons that you think you are like, <laughs> monty python 
worked at the time because it felt daring and different. Yeah. And times move on and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel daring and different anymore. No. And that's why it wouldn't be pitched the way that it was. Of yeah, if if someone Think, pitched, no, people, they they've nowadays, gone past like, oh, we've gone past yeah. Monty Python now. You watch show you watch other like sketchy shows like um what's that? Oh, I, I think one you should leave. One day I will watch. I think you should leave. Yeah, one day I will watch that. And I'm sure that's 100 percent my thing. One day I'll watch. I've it seen really bits. Works. I like it. Um, I, I need to give it another go. I, I hear rave reviews about the new stuff, but I just, I just haven't been seeking out new sketch stuff. All I think yeah, of is yeah, SNL yeah. now, and it's like, yeah. eh. I don't want to watch sketch comedy really. Um, I, I feel like sketch comedy just exists as YouTube videos now. Like you don't need to. <laughs> People do sketches and things all the, all the time on on the internet. Maybe we should get into sketch comedy. Maybe sketch podcasting. That's not. That's not. I'm too busy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Stephen, you got so, any any closing remarks on the Pythons, the Mon- Monty's oh, Python? I I love watching these films again. I think they're absolutely great. Um, even Meaning of Life, which is not a very good movie, bits nope. of it are absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Of just, yeah, some really memorable, indelible, just stuck in my brain forever comedy. And I liked that I watched these again and were like, oh, that's why I am the way that I am. Um, <laughs> Very was, formative, was, was, foundational was, pieces yeah, of well, cinema well, for both of us. Well, yeah, because this, this was my stepping stone to the alternative comedy scene of the time. So mm. it's like, oh, yep. I like weird stuff is what mm. I like. Yeah, um, Absolutely. It was a, a stepping stone, as you said, and I continue to step on that stone. Stephen, which filmmaker or six white dudes from England being silly are we covering next time on The Stacks? I'm really excited about this. So we span the big wheel, and by we I mean me, for I am mm. the keeper of the wheel. He keeps um, it. And so we've, we've introduced a new rule on the wheel because I don't want to force Jack to do things he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't want to force me to do things I don't want to do. Um, and not because you don't want to but you may not just feel like it so everything on the wheel we're interested in but it may say let's watch every Bellatar movie at work that's not on there and I'd be like yeah not feeling that right now yeah that's not like Um, a summer vibe (laughs) that's not like a hot summer vibe is to sit down with Hungarian slow cinema we can veto yeah but if I veto and then Jack vetoes we have to do the last one Mm -hmm. so that could that could that's the the rule of three Mm -hmm. but we spun the wheel and it landed on something and I thought, oh, Jack might veto this so I wasn't sure if it was a summer vibe. I was like, I do want to do this but I wasn't sure if Jack would want to. But we agreed on it and we are going to do another filmography. Mm-hmm. Quite a short filmography. Mm-hmm. But the films of Jane Campion. Hell yes. Someone I have seen a couple of films from and not enough and excited to see a lot of them for the first time. I've only seen... I have convinced some people to collaborate who are these people? I have convinced um, a friend of mine, Carol Fitzgerald, to talk about the film in the cut because Whoa. she really, really loves that movie, and it is a Kino Thanks um, candidate oh, awesome. because that was reviled okay, at cool. the time and has been critically reappraised. I've watched it once before and I thought it was okay, and I'm really interesting. I want to see it. I want to. Um, I want to lay my eyes on this for the first Emma time. on to talk the piano because I'm very aware that two dudes talking about the piano is not the best perspective to mm-hmm. talk about the piano. Two um, Sam Neill a... fans, though. Mmm. And Harvey Keitel. Yeah, good movie. Um, have, you seen the, have you seen the piano? I have seen the piano. I've seen the piano and that it's powerful good, dog. It's very it's good. good. 
Very good. good. I'm excited to revisit. Um, welcome to New years. Zealand, where it rains. Quotes on a mayo. Um, and we're going to... I am going to, hopefully it's come together. A um, really good friend of mine, um, Daniel Parker, has a Master's in English Literature, and he focused on the works of the Romantic Poets. Oh, um, that'd be really good then. he is a, a font of information, particularly about Shelley, but yeah. also about John Keats. And you know what? John... John? Jane Campion made a film about John Keats. Good. So we're I'm going to record a probably quite short, but mm-hmm. probably but insightful relevant. conversation about the John Keats um, biopic, I guess, Bright Star. <laughs> That's um, awesome. With my good friend, Daniel Parker. So yeah, lots of good stuff to look forward to. We've got Kino Thanks, we've got Emma Episode, we've got all sorts coming. Um, you can email us future suggestions, uh, topics, queries, comments, whatever, 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 at thestacksonfilm at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show in any way you can, you can go to patreon.com forward slash thestacksonfilm. We've got a couple tiers there. We can throw us a couple quid a month just to help us keep trucking along, recording podcasts and putting out yeah. the silly things that we do like this here podcast and all the other podcasts yeah like we we try to make sure that most stuff we do is not on a subscribed and locked off feed but i would like to point out the only reason we are able to do anything mm. and to do it with regularity is because of that support so we really do rely on support so if you are listening and you feel that you could afford to give away literally a couple of quid a month that is the thing that keeps this show going mm-hmm. um we're so busy boys, do. we're getting busier. Please, please. But we do enjoy sitting down and talking yeah, talking do. talking movies to your ears. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was gonna try and do a flop house bit, but I I'm too tired now. Stephen, any closing remarks on this final Friday night on Monty Python season, which was specifically yeah, I, one episode long? Yeah, but I'm excited to cover um, something completely different next time. And now for something completely different. Exactly. That's the that's the that's the the, the, the footing we found in this show now is that we have no idea where we're going to go to next, but I'll enjoy talking about it, whatever it is. Yeah. So we'll be going from Jane Campion to the films of uh, Michael Jordan to Charlie Chaplin's sound pictures <laughs> to uh, I don't know Planet Hulk. I don't know. We'll do, <laughs> we could do anything yeah, and everything, and that's the beauty the beauty of the stacks. So thank you very much for listening to this Monty Python retrospective. And as always, don't let, don't let the, the shrubbery beast oh, get you. Good night, God bless. And um Good night, good uh, luck. Good night. Uh, yeah. Good night. Goodbye. Good night. Um neat.